About a month or so ago, our teenagers went to youth camp and had a great time. And now, of course, we've got our kids getting ready to head out, uh, our, our school-age kids getting ready to head out tomorrow. Uh, but I was thinking back, which we're excited for that too. You ready to go? Are you sure you're ready for this, Melissa? Okay. So looking back, and I remember one of the photos that came back after our youth camp, and there was a picture of our, there were lots of pictures of our kids, but one of them, they were playing some kind of a game. I don't know what it was. And in the back, this is what caught my eye. It was a weird thing. What caught my eye was in the back of this photo were a few kids sitting on an old kind of rusted out set of bleachers. And the reason those bleachers caught my eye is because I went to that same camp as a kid, and I remember about 35 years ago, sitting on that same set of bleachers, one night when I went out by myself, and it was a clear night, and the stars were out, and I sat there as somebody who was fairly new in my faith, and just kind of trying to figure it all out, and take it all in, and I remember just looking up at the sky, and seeing the stars everywhere. And for this city boy, you know, I didn't get to see that a whole lot. And I was just overwhelmed by what I saw. But then this thought that was even more overwhelming than that was, the God who created all of this actually loves me even more than all of that. And that reality just hit me as a teenager and um, it hit me again this past week because, as many of you know, we had the chance to go to Alaska and visit Mark and Sherilyn Hargrave. Mark was a member of our church here for a long time. They're doing great mission work there in Alaska, and we're looking at some ways to, we already partner with them, but potentially do some more stuff. We're even hoping to maybe be able to put together a little trip next summer to, to partner with some stuff they're doing. But um, Got to spend time there, and I, I've never been to Alaska before, uh, but it is amazing, everything that I anticipated that it would be. But there again, that same sense of I'm taking in things that are so beautiful, that are beyond description, and the God who created all of that is the God who created me and actually wants a personal relationship with me. And as a teenager, I, I felt this way, and I still do today. I was like, why would God desire that of, of someone like me? Why would he want a relationship with you? I mean, I'm not anybody special. I didn't grow up loving God the way I should have. Why would God take a special interest in us? But he does. And the passage that came to mind way back then uh, and that continued to come to mind this week is Psalm 8. As we continue in our summer of Psalms, I want you to open your Bible there with me today. Uh, Psalm 8, which by the way, too, as I was just reading through this and thinking, isn't it remarkable to think that these words have been inspiring and encouraging people of faith, those who, who are followers of God, for thousands of years? And we have this scripture that, that is, God has given to us and you know, so many. Think about just the millions and millions and millions of people that have been encouraged by this. And, um, but Psalm 8, starting in verse 1, says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds. And the animals of the wild, 
the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You know, it, it doesn't take a trip to Alaska to appreciate God's majesty. It helps, by the way, but it doesn't require that. It says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I mean, just look around and we see the majesty of God. Look at the way human beings are put together. I mean, the intricacy of just how we function, how this world around us functions. Look at the beauty of creation and what God has put together. And then it talks over here about the animals and the birds and the fish in the sea and all that stuff, which we got to see a lot of this past week. And, but, I mean, you just look at all of that, and it's like, God, you are so majestic. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then even you just look at the earth itself. You know, have you ever just really stopped to think about how it makes absolutely no sense. Our earth makes no sense at all, other than that, I mean, God created this. But think about what is happening right now. We are currently spinning at a rate of 1,000 miles per hour. You realize that? We don't feel it. I mean, how is it even possible that we can be spinning? I get, I don't know about you, I get motion sickness really quickly. It's remarkable. I'm kind of getting motion sick just thinking about the fact that we're spinning 1,000 miles an hour. How do we not feel that? Because of gravity. Well, how is there even such a thing as gravity? It makes no sense. And so you've got the, the, the earth spinning on its axis at a rate of 1,000 miles per hour. And then it's making this trip around the sun 584 million miles a year. Which means that today you will travel and I will travel more than 1.6 million miles. I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, in just the time that I'm speaking today, you're going to travel over 33,000 miles. We're going at a rate of nearly 67,000 miles per hour while spinning at a rate of 1,000 miles per hour. How does that happen? Right? It doesn't make sense. And yet we, we look at this and it's like, God, how majestic is God that he could put all of this together? There's really no other explanation other than that God did that. And so just the earth itself is mind-blowing. But then you get to the second part of verse 1. How majestic is your name in all the earth. But then it says you have set your glory in the heavens. I mean, we look around and we see the majesty of God. But oh, when we look up, then it just gets magnified that much more. And we see the majesty of God all throughout the heavens. And that word for heavens here, it's the same Hebrew word that was used uh, in the book of Genesis. In Genesis 1.1 when it says God created the heavens and the earth. What he's talking about is just... Think of when you hear in this context the heavens, it's everything up and out there, okay? So all the stars, all the, you know, the, the, the different galaxies, all of that, it would be part of the heavens that he's talking about. And so when we look up and when we see the heavens, we are reminded of the majesty of God. So what do we know about what's up and out there? Well, we know that on a very, very conservative estimate that there are at least 100 billion stars in our galaxy. That's a conservative estimate. So far, scientists have discovered 
100 billion other galaxies. And with the increase in technology and things they're able to see now that they couldn't before, they expect that number to double very quickly. So here we are with 100 billion stars in our galaxy that is one of about 200 billion other galaxies that are out there. Again, I mean, if that doesn't point to the majesty of God, then I don't know what does. I'm always fascinated to see the different images. And, you know, I I went and the the Hubble telescope will just, it's unbelievable what kinds of pictures that we can get where technology is. Here's a few of them just to enjoy for you. The first one is what they call multiple galaxies. There we go. I mean, you could just see all these different galaxies out there. Uh, There's one called the Pinwheel Galaxy, which is kind of fun, and you can see why it's called the Pinwheel Galaxy, one of my personal favorites. The Sombrero Galaxy, that's kind of fun, right? You've got the Whirlpool Galaxy, which is also just kind of a a cool look, and then the Stellar Forge Galaxy. I mean, these are just a few. I just picked a few of them. There are so many of them. You go out there and look at it and and, and just let your mind be blown, but here's the thing that, that is just beyond comprehension, Psalm 147, verse 4 says this. It says, He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. God determines all these stars and calls each one by name. So there are roughly 200 billion trillion stars out there. That's a big number, okay? If you're, if you're following along online notes, I actually wrote it out with all the zeros in the, the, the bulletin notes online. But that's a lot of stars. Do you know how long it would take us if we were to name every one of 200 billion trillion stars? If we named one every second, it would take us trillions of years before we were finished. And yet it says God named every single one of them. And then you get to verses like Isaiah 40, verse 12. The first part of that verse says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? So here we are talking about these billions of galaxies, and God is so big that just with the size of his hand that he's able to mark all these things off. See, when we we look at all these things... What it should cause us to do is to realize our view of self, frankly, is way too too, too big. But our view of God is way too small. This God who created all of this is is majestic. and, And really, everything that we see around us should point to God's glory. And that's really the first main idea I want to share with you today is that creation gives us a glimpse of God's glory. Whether it's sitting on a bleacher, looking up at the sky in Glen Rose, Texas. Whether it's being out in the the wild of Alaska. Whether it's just stopping on the side of a road and looking at a flower that God created. It really doesn't matter. When we see all that that, that surrounds us, when we look up and we see all that's in the heavens, um, it points to the majesty of God. But let me tell you what the problem with that is. Romans 1, 25 describes a problem that they had 2,000 years ago, which sounds like they could have written it today. Romans 1, 25 says this. It says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And listen to this next phrase. And worshipped and served 
created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Guys, we appreciate the majesty of God in creation. We don't worship creation. We don't worship created things. Those things simply point us to the God who created them. That's the point. It's not that we begin to worship these things. It's that we say, oh my goodness, I worship the God who created all of that. And when we take in all the majesty that surrounds us, that should be a call to worship. Every time we see that, to to just express our worship to the God who created it all. So when we soak in the vastness of all that God has created, it ought to enlarge our vision of who God is. And verse 1 reminds us of that. And, and then it talks about you know, the, the, the heavens and how majestic it is, which, by the way, uh, when we talk about the universe, you'll hear this phrase a lot. Uh, people will talk about the known universe because it is so big, we haven't discovered it all yet. And one of the things that, that scientists will tell you, they're always searching for additional life out there, right? And one of the reasons for searching for additional life is the belief that this universe is way too big if we are all there is, right? It's way too big for us. So there has to be additional life out there. That's the reasoning. But what if the purpose of the vastness of the universe is to display the glory of God? And it is. I don't know if there's other life out there or not, but I do know this. That God created everything for His glory. It's not about us. We aren't the center of the universe. We're not even the center of our own galaxy, by the way. It's, it's all about the, the, the majesty of God. And God created all of this for his glory. And then you move on to verse 2, and this is so interesting. And talking in, in the context of the, what God has created in the earth and the heavens. And then it starts talking about the praise of children and infants. Through the praise of, of children and infants, you've established a stronghold. Uh, it, but, I mean, think about this. It, it goes from the most complex to the most simple. The praise of a small child, children, infants, those that hardly even know better. And yet they even are able to somehow um, understand this God uh, deserves to be praised. And so it's a reminder that our view of self is way too big and our view of God is way too small. And so we need to, to expand our view of God. I mean, back to this, the, the heavens and what's there. You know, if the entire Milky Way galaxy were the size of North America, our solar system within the Milky Way would be the size of a quarter. We are just a tiny speck in a galaxy that is a tiny speck in the universe. And yet God created all of that. Uh, one of the things, uh, cool things that we had a chance to do while we were in Alaska, um, we did a few little day trips, different places, and uh, there's a, a fun little town called Talkeetna. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that. It's kind of an artsy type of town, and, and they have all these little shops and everything. So we went to Talkeetna for the day. By the way, their claim to fame is that their mayor of Talkeetna is a cat. Look it up. 
I'm just saying that that kind of explains a little bit about the vibe you get because there was a cat by, and everybody was down taking pictures with I don't even think that was a mayor, but it was a cat that got lots of pictures taken with. Anyway, we went to Taquina because we wanted to see the shops. One of the other things we wanted to do is it gave us a, a picture of Mount Denali from there, which um, you, you may know is the largest mountain in North America, over 20,000 feet tall. And so on the way there to Taquin, we stopped, and there was one of these little overlooks. And you never know if you're going to be able to see the mountain because clouds come up, and you know it's so tall that if there are any clouds at all, it'll obscure the top of the mountain. But we actually did get to take a picture. See if you can find it, by the way. This is, this is a game. See if you can find Mount Denali. It's kind of hard to tell, but if you see the puff of clouds on the left to the right of that, that's not clouds. That's the mountain. That's a snow-capped mountain right there. And so we were able to, to, to see the mountain, and it was pretty clear. Yeah, it, was kinda, it is kind of hard to figure it out at first. Isn't it? But here's one of the things that's, that's remarkable. From we're, this, this, by the way, is 60 miles away. So that gives you some perspective of how massive that mountain is. But from, from 60 miles away, this 20,000-foot-high 20, mountain was completely obscured if I just went like this. Right? All it took, my little hand in front of my face, and now the mountain is gone. And I thought, you know, that, that mountain didn't shrink in size when I put my hand in front of my face. It's still 20,000 feet tall. The problem is, sometimes our view of what really is massive gets obscured by the things that are just right in front of us. And we have our, our stresses and our problems, and even the smallest things, guys, can, can block our view of the glory of God, of the majesty of God. And so this is a great reminder for us to not let that happen, but to remember to, and to kind of maybe pull back and gain some perspective today. I mean, you may be, be having some things that, that are blocking your view. Maybe it's worry and anxiety or depression or financial issues or just stress of life in general or whatever it may be that can block your view of the, the majesty and just how big God really is. But Psalm 8 kind of helps reorient us a little bit it gives us a better perspective so can we just stop pretending that we're the center of the universe can we stop making it all about us and realize that it's really all about this God who is so majestic but having said that because that sounds a little harsh let's continue on verses three and four are a great reminder so we've got this huge massive God but then verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? That was the exact question I remember asking myself as I sat on those bleachers as a teenager looking up at the, at the stars thinking, God, why would you care about me? You created all this, but he does. God does care about us. And then you continue on in, in verse 5, and it says, um, you made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put under their, everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. And so here's the second and, and really last main idea I want to share with you today. And that is that God cares deeply about each of us. God cares about us. This God who is so big that he created all of this still wants to be known by you and by me. He created us for relationship with him. And here's the thing that makes us so unique. 
Here's where our value comes from. If you ever begin to doubt yourself or you struggle with, with issues there, Genesis 127 is a great verse to go back to over and over again. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Frankly, the thing, guys, that makes us valuable, it's not that we do good things or that we prove ourselves worthy of being loved. We are valuable because we are created in the image of God. And that's not true of anything else. Those mountains that we saw... They reflect the glory of God, but they're not created in the image of God. The animals that we got to see and the birds flying around everywhere, those aren't created in the image of God. We even had one experience that was just such a cool thing. We got to see something that was so amazing. I can hear about the, the fish of the sea and things there. We went out on a, on a boat tour and got to see humpback whales. And I really wanted them to do the thing where they jump up out of the water, you know, splash. They didn't do that for us. I was a little disappointed. But we did get the, you know, the fins coming up and the backs coming out of the water. And then they would dive down. And then you would look for them and they would end up way over there somewhere, you know. But there was one thing in particular that I thought was so cool. There was a pod of orcas that came right by us. And it was cool to watch them. But it was even better to listen to them. They actually dropped a microphone down in the water so you could hear them talking to each other. And I've got about a 10-second clip. You see them first, and then you hear them. So take a look at this real quick. Pretty cool experience, right? Just to, to see this, and they're, they're talking. You know, they're probably talking about the weirdos on that boat. You know, that I don't know what they were saying to one another. But I thought, oh, my goodness. This, this is amazing. And yet, that pales in comparison to the value of every single person sitting in this room and watching online right now. God cares more about us than even that. Now, he's created some, some really amazing stuff. But the point of all of this is that people matter. And it even says in verse 6 that God has put everything under our feet. And certainly, you know, there, there are responsibilities that come with that. Um, but the point really here is that God cares about you more than all of those things. You know, if you're being honest, some of you today might have to admit you don't feel very lovable. Maybe you don't feel like you matter more than all these other things, but you do. And the reason we know that, Romans 5, 8, says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his only son to die in our place. He didn't send Jesus for the rest of creation. He sent Jesus for human beings. Because we were created in the image of God and because we had rebelled against God, we had turned against God, we were separated from Him. And God loved us so much that it says even while we were still sinners that Christ came to die for us. He came to die in our place. I mean, think about everything that He went through while we were still in rebellion that Jesus died in our place. God's plan was to send his only begotten son to become a sin sacrifice for you and for me. That's what he did for us. And that's how we know how much he loves us. You know, Jesus didn't deserve to die. He did nothing wrong. 
I mean, the religious leaders, they, they had to hire scoundrels to, to lie about things, you know, to, to trump up these false charges against Jesus because there really wasn't anything that they could hold against him because he had never done anything wrong. So they had to make up stuff, and they did. And they accused him of all these things and, and sentenced him to death, and he, he, they, they beat him, they mocked him, they put a robe on him, they pressed a crown of thorns on his head. They did all of these things. They spat in his face. And Jesus just took it. All of it. Why? Because that's why he had come. He had come to demonstrate God's own love for us in dying in our place. And as bad as all that stuff was and, 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 and being taken to the cross and being nailed to the cross and the physical pain associated with that and, and, and the way that, of course, they would die as they, they would uh, suffocate because they couldn't breathe anymore. But just the, the pain of having nails driven through your hands and feet. In fact, we have a term that comes out of that. It's the term excruciating. That X means out of and cruis, cross. That term excruciating literally means out of the cross. We have developed a word to describe the worst possible pain that points back to crucifixion. That's what Jesus went through for us. But the worst part of it all wasn't the physical pain. The worst part of it was that he took on the full brunt of our sin. He took on the wrath of God because he became our substitute for sins. Jesus died for us. And so before he died, God placed upon him the sinfulness of all human beings. That means my sin. That means your sin. Jesus died for, for all of that. That was the worst part of it all. But he did it for us because he loves us and because he wants a relationship with us. I wonder if there are some of you today that question whether you deserve to be loved by God. And maybe you know the gospel story and you know Jesus died and he rose again and that he offers new life and forgiveness. But maybe you've always thought, but I just don't deserve that. It's not for me. It's for someone else. Today I want to tell you, it is for you. It is for you. And I want to invite you today to put your trust in Christ if you've never done that before, for those that are here, for those that may be watching online, if there's never been a time in your life where you know you've said, God, I'm going to respond to what you've done. I know that Jesus came and he died for me. But I'm going to give you my heart today. Let me remind you, you are the pinnacle of God's creation. God loves you more than everything else, more than all this majesty around us that points to the glory of God. Only human beings are created in the image of God. And he sent Jesus to die for you and for me. And so if you don't know for absolute, just have absolute certainty that you have trusted in Christ, I want to invite you to say a prayer today. I want to invite you, and it, it can be in your, your own words. I'll, I'll lead you through a sample prayer, but it can just be your own words in your own heart just to say, God, I'm giving myself to you today. And after we pray, I, I, I want to just speak to those that already know Christ for just a couple minutes before we wrap up. But let's just pause right now. If you don't know that you know that Christ lives in your heart today, then I invite you to pray a prayer like this. Let's bow our heads together. If you're ready to turn from your sinfulness and put your trust in Jesus, then pray this with me today. 
God, I, I confess that I'm sinful. I thank you that you love me enough to send Jesus to the cross for me. Right now, I turn away from my sinfulness and I put my trust in Jesus. I receive your forgiveness. And I give my heart to you from this day forward. I thank you, God, for wanting me and for saving me today as I place my trust in Christ. In his name I pray. Amen. Guys, if you prayed a prayer like that, I want in just a few minutes, I want you to let somebody know. Because we want to celebrate with you. We want to come alongside you. But I also want to speak for just a moment to those that, that do already have a relationship with Christ. You've trusted in Him. But frankly, maybe God seems distant to you. And I want to remind you today that God has not abandoned you. God has not forsaken you. That you matter to God more than anything else in all creation. And if you're going through a, a, a difficult season right now, I just want to encourage you to hang in there. I want to encourage you to, to remind yourself how big God is. Because here's the deal, guys. The God who can create all of this majesty that we see in earth and then remember that what we see here is a tiny speck in the solar system that is a tiny speck in our galaxy that's a tiny speck in the universe that God is so much bigger than all of this do you not think that the God that big can handle whatever it is that you're going through we, we, we know it up here right but sometimes we don't feel it in here so today I just want to remind you that God knows and God cares and God wants to see you through whatever circumstances you may be going through in your life right now. So be encouraged. And I just want to end by praying, praying over you today. And just praying that you sense God's presence and that you feel the encouragement that He wants you to feel today. So let's pray together. Lord, I pray today for each person that may be going through a difficult season. I pray that, that they are able to just sense your presence and, and feel your love and be reminded through your word of what is true, that you never leave us or forsake us, that you are always good, that even in the difficult seasons, you are working everything out for good for those who love you and called according to your purpose. So, Lord, today I pray that we're able to trust you with all of our hearts. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.